Welcome to the Go Forth and Golf Podcast, where you can listen to everything related to the game of golf. Golf tips to help you improve your golf game, entertaining interviews, discussions about the latest in golf equipment, and so much more. Now, here is your host, PGA professional, Steve Goforth. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Go Forth and Golf Podcast. I am your host, Steve Goforth, PGA professional at Cross Creek Golf Club. Have a, another fantastic episode for you today. In studio with me, live and in studio, my son Nick. What's going on, Nick? What's going on? Got some really cool stuff to talk about. One of those is the Live Tour. I mean, man, has that not been the buzz around golf for the past week? Yeah, it's going to be... Um... Very touchy subject, um, but we're gonna cover everything that's new, uh, everything that's controversial, uh, and just kind of give our own opinion on it. Yeah, and that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be our opinion. I mean, not everybody can uh, agree on everything, right? I mean, it's just uh, it's just a matter of opinion, and we're not trying to take sides. We're not trying to say one for one side or the other. We're just going to give our opinion on the situation. And I want to kind of, I do want to talk about it from both sides of the tracks, right? Because we have some people that are completely against it and for good reason. And then those that are totally for it. So I think it's always good to look at both sides, but look at both perspectives. Yeah. Try to stay pretty neutral when it comes to talking about it. Um, like you said, try to bring up uh, the good and the bad that comes with it, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what uh, the the road leads with this uh, this new tour, and um, if it uh, helps or hurts the game and hurts the overall players that are already in it. Yeah, I think that's the big question: is you know the guys that decide to come over to the tour, how is it going to affect them when it comes to the PGA tour? What about guys that, that stay back? How is it going to affect the PGA Tour itself? So we'll, we'll dive into that. Before doing so, since our last episode we recorded, we've got a new PGA champion, Justin Thomas. That was a great victory by him. He, went, of course, went to the playoff with uh, Will Zalatoris. And um, I was kind of torn on that one, to be honest with you, because I, I like Justin Thomas, but I really wanted to see Will Zalatoris get his first major victory there. I think that would have been really cool. But... I think what was so outstanding about Justin's victory was he was eight shots out of the lead with roughly like nine holes to play. That's unheard of. Like nobody in a million years would have thought he was going to win the PGA Championship with nine holes left to play in that tournament. Well, I mean, that just means it's always good to stay consistent no matter what you're doing. And uh, he stayed consistent throughout the round. Obviously, the leader ended up choking right there towards the end. So that definitely helped out in his favor. But, I mean, a great display um, by uh, JT. Yeah, like you said, I would, would have loved to see Will win one, um, Zalatoris. But he's, he's young. He's, he's still new. Uh, he's got um, plenty of years ahead of him um, if he stays healthy. So he's, he's skyrocketed at a really young age, yeah. just like JT did. And so there's, there's more big things to come for him in the future. No, I agree, and you're right. You hit the nail on the head there. He JT stayed consistent, didn't he? He he stuck to his game. He didn't get overwhelmed with the fact that he was that far out of the lead. He stuck to his routine. He played his game. He grinded, 
thankfully the leader came back to him, like you mentioned, and that certainly helps. But that's a lesson for all golfers to learn is stay within your game. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Don't try to look too far ahead. Stay in the moment. Stay with each shot because you never know what's going to happen. In this case, he goes on to win the PGA Championship. So wonderful story, something we're always going to look back on. And uh, I think that'll go down in the history books for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It was always weird seeing that three-hole playoff. Usually it's Yeah, a, yeah, it was. Uh, it was something different. I don't know how you felt about that. I, yeah. I still kind of like the hole-by-hole hole yeah. playing instead of playing the three holes and the best of three um, yeah. wins it. But still a little bit of that pressure, that intensity that you can get in a playoff situation. So it wasn't bad. Yeah, great point because, you know, I had forgotten the PGA – did that with the three-hole playoff and uh i don't know to me i feel like there's more pressure if it's hole by hole right i mean you know when you got three holes to play it's like yeah you know if i mess up on this hole i still got the next hole but if it's hole by hole playoff then i feel like that's more pressure yeah it's it's more pressure for the players themselves but it leaves the audience uh, on the edge of their seats because every shot matters true very very true Let's talk about the U.S. Open coming up this coming weekend at the Country Club, which is in Brookline, Massachusetts. And Brookline is a suburb of Boston, if you're not familiar with that area. And they have actually hosted four U.S. Opens. I'm sorry, this will be the fourth. So the fourth U.S. Open played there. The last one was way back in 1988. I say way back, you know, but to me that wasn't that long ago. But uh, you weren't born yet. Um, I think one of the most famous U.S. Opens that took place there was the 1913 U.S. Open. That uh, long shot of Francis Wimet winning that. Of course, they made a movie about it with the greatest game ever played. If you haven't watched that movie, it's really, really good. Go out and check it out. But actually took place there at the Country Club. So a lot of history here at this golf course. It's uh, 70, roughly 7,200 yards, par 70. I like par 70s. I don't know why. I just feel like they're harder. What do you think on that? Um, I don't really care either way, to be honest with you. Par's par. Yeah. Um, we st- they still got to go low. Yeah. I don't know. It's just something about a par 70 course. It just, to me, seems like it's definitely going to be harder. It makes it a little bit more interesting. Now, what's unique about this golf course, their greens are smaller compared to other tournaments they play on tour. So, I don't know what you think. As far as I'm concerned, I think the key to winning this thing is going to be number one, you got the thick US Open grass, right? Yeah, three cuts of, from what I've been reading, uh, three different style of cuts of, of the rough. Nice. Narrow fairways, obviously small greens. You're definitely going to have to be very consistent, very precise off the tee, and kind of have to have some of those scrambling skills. Yeah. Well, I think two, three cuts, I didn't realize that. That's an interesting stat there. But small greens and they're undulated they have a lot of contour to them so it's going to be the guy that can be consistent off the tee obviously like you mentioned but also being able to hit those small contour greens consistently we're going to get into some pga tour stats here in just a minute see who is the best guy in terms of greens and regulation and fairways hit currently but u.s open's always tough and u.s open has always had a name for itself when it comes to the rough one of my favorite tournaments out there because this is the one where we see golfers struggle the most. They seem like they are the average golfer because pars are hard to come by. 
out there in this format. And the USGA always does a great job of setting this thing up super, super tough so that scores are high. Yeah, uh, the uh, first four holes uh, can definitely cause some trouble for the guys early and possibly uh, some some high numbers right off the bat just because of the length. Um, obviously, like I said, with the the, the three cuts and the, the fairways being narrow, obviously you want to be long but be consistent at the same time. And that's going to be pretty pretty difficult for, for some guys, but it's going to definitely separate themselves early. Yeah, so those first four holes are just – are they just lengthy? They're just longer holes than normal. So it's really going to test their ability to hit greens in regulation, I guess. Yeah, yeah, with the combination of how small those greens are, yeah. it's about consistency, yeah, uh, precision on this course. Yeah, I mean, if you're dealing with a tight fairway, you're dealing with small greens – Lots of contour. You start the first four holes out. They're very, they're longer than normal, we'll say. So right out of the gate with this tournament, scores could get high. So I encourage you to to watch those first four holes closely because that could really dictate how this thing goes. So I think the golfer that starts out the first four holes, for example, with what we talked about, could be the guy that has the momentum going for the rest of the round, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, uh, it's always best to start out strong no matter what course you're playing on. But uh, with all those factors, uh, yeah, it's going to be an important one for, uh, for the early start. Well, let's talk about PGA Tour rankings, the FedEx Cup rankings. So the rankings have kind of uh, shifted a little bit due to the Live Tour, which we're going to get into here in just a second. So... There were some people who were dropped off of the FedEx Cup standings or moved from the FedEx Cup standings because of their relationship with the tour. So I'm going to run down the top 10 in FedEx Cup standings currently as we head into the U.S. Open. Coming in at number 10 is John Rahm. He was previously number 9 last week. At number nine, we have Jordan Spieth. He was previously number eight. In the eighth ranking, we have Max Homa, previously seventh. Number seven, we have Hideki Matsuyama. He was at six last week. Coming in at number six, we have Patrick Cantlay. He was number four. Number five is Cameron Smith, previously number three. Huge jump from his victory at the RBC Canadian Open is Roy McIlroy coming in at number four, was previously number 15 in the rankings. Coming in at number three, Justin Thomas. He was number five last week. And then your top two, same as it was last week. Number two, Sam Burns. And then number one, Scotty Scheffler. So that's your current top 10 in the FedEx Cup rankings. Now let's talk about stats. So we're going to look at driving distance, driving accuracy, greens and regulation hit, and then strokes gained and putting. Starting out with driving distance. Nick, who is the top five currently in driving distance? Right at number one, we've got uh, Cameron Champ coming in at number two. We've got Matthew Wolf, three, Rory McElroy. Number four, we've got uh, Wyndham Clark. Uh, and number five, we've got John Rahm. Those are the top five as of right now. And Cameron Champ averaging 322 yards off of the tee in distance. That's very, very impressive. 
Uh, he's played in 42 events, 42 rounds, and so he's had enough statistics there. Wyndham Clark, though, surprisingly, is 71 rounds. He has played the most of anybody in here other than Scotty Scheffler. He's also at 71. But you know, that says a lot there. When you think Cameron Chep's played in a little less than half the rounds, but his average is a little higher, so that's impressive on Cameron's part. So 322 yards, that's the average long off the tee box. Driving accuracy, we have Ryan Armour. He is hitting 73% of his fairways. That's after 44 rounds. Fairways hits 408 out of a possible 553. That's pretty good. Number two, Brian Stewart. At uh, 77 rounds, he's played. Hit 71% of his greens. And that's 723 fairways out of 1,007. Wow. Number three, Abraham Answer. At 70%. Number four, Chez Reeve at 69%. And then number five is Brendan Todd at 69%. So that's your top five in driving accuracy, which is, again, going to be very, very important for this upcoming tournament. So Ryan Armour may be somebody you want to keep an eye on in terms of uh, hitting those fairways and putting himself, putting himself in position in the U.S. Open. Let's go to greens and regulation. And then, again, another important statistic here because... If they're not able to hit greens, they're not going to be able to score, especially with this tournament. So, Nick, I'll let you run this uh, run this ranking down. All right, continuing with the top five. At number one, we've got John Rahm, which is kind of surprising. I didn't think he was that, that far up there at, at the top, actually. Right behind him, uh, number two, you've got uh, Scotty Scheffler. Uh, number three, you've got Russell Knox. Four, you've got Corey Connors. And number five, Sam Burns. So in that top five, three of them have really skyrocketed in the last year or two, which is a good reason for it. If they're hitting greens and regulations, I mean, you have all the chance in the world to to go low. Yeah, I mean, John Rahm's at 72% in greens and regulation. That's through 50 rounds. He's hit 599 greens out of 828 holes. Of course, John won the U.S. Open last year, and right now he's hitting greens in regulation better than anybody else. So John Rahm could be a good pick for the Open this year. Final statistic we want to throw at you right now is the strokes gain in putting. Of course, really important when it comes to winning tournaments. Whoever's going to be the best putter has got a really, really good chance of winning. At number one, we've got Brian Gay. Number two is Terrell Hatton. Number three is Lucas Herbert. Four is Bo Hostler. And then number five is Brendan Todd. And that's your top five in strokes gained in putting. So again, we want to share these stats with you because evaluating stats is super important because you want to recognize weak areas in your game, right? So if you're evaluating stats, whether we're evaluating the stats of these PGA Tour players or if you keep your own stats, it's so important because when you go and do that, you can really find out what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. And I encourage a lot of my students to do this. Track your greens and regulation. Track your number of putts. Track your fairways hit. And then when you go and evaluate those numbers, you can always see what area needs to be worked on when we go into a lesson. And so I highly encourage you to do that because when you know where your weak areas are, when you know where your strengths are, you can really improve your golf game dramatically. I've got a lot of students that will focus a lot on their driver, but their driver is not really giving them any any problems at all. 
if they kept their stats, they would know, hey, I'm I'm hitting green, I'm hitting fairways, so but I'm not hitting greens in regulation, or I'm not getting up and down, or I'm making a lot of putts when I'm out there. So again, super important to keep stats. Nick, I know you've been doing that a lot more lately and trying to evaluate your own game. Yeah, once uh well since I've been doing that, uh I've really dialed in, like you said, where where the misses are to help me or that's preventing me from uh, creating the scores that I want. And it's just as simple as writing them down on the scorecard, greens, fairways, and then how many putts. And if you do that, you'll be surprised how many uh, X's or checks that you have or how many number of putts that you've got total at the end of the round will make a make or break a, a round for you. Yeah. Well, highly encourage you to go out, look at more stats on the PGA Tour website. We just touched on those, obviously, but there's so many more stats out there that you can look at, and it can also, again, help you track your own stats. If you want to take control of your health and feel so much better, I encourage you to check out Pure on Main. They have two locations on Main Street in downtown Greenville across from the Hyatt and another location on Cannon Street and beautiful downtown Greer. Pure on Main provides you with essential services and products allowing you to live a healthier, more fulfilling life. Pure on Main is one of the most exclusive and unique health and wellness centers in the upstate. They've been nominated as one of Greenville's best wellness centers for five consecutive years. Do you want to improve your endurance, increase your mobility in your golf swing, or get rid of joint pains? I can assure you Betsy and her staff are passionate about helping you improve your life. They have stores filled with beneficial items for your body and your soul. They also provide services such as colon hydrotherapy, massage therapy, ionic foot detox, and wellness consulting. Pure on Main is dedicated to helping and serving their community. Please give them a call and let them recommend top-of-the-line products that are results-driven. I get all of my wellness supplements from them, and I feel amazing. Visit their website at pureonmain.com. Again, that's pureonmain.com where you can purchase their phenomenal products or you can visit their downtown locations in Greenville and Greer. So what are you waiting for? Start living healthier and pure with the help of Pure on Maine. You won't regret it. All right, so we've covered the stats of the players. Now it's time for us to make our picks on who we think are going to be odds-on favorite to win the U.S. Open. So we thought we'd try something different here on this episode and pick who we think have the best chances of winning the U.S. Open. We're going to try to do this going forward for all major tournaments. As you know, it's difficult to pick a winner in the game of golf because anybody can win in any given week, right? So we're going to pick our top three, the top three guys we think have the best chance of winning this golf tournament. Going forward next year, we're going to start keeping track of our statistics, our picks, and who has the best picks throughout the season. But we want to start it with this tournament. Nick, I'm going to let you lead it off. Who are your top three guys to win the U.S. Open? All right. So um, top three guys for me, a um, little bit of a tough one. There's so many great ones out there. Uh, I'm obviously going to go with uh, JT, him coming off that win at the PGA past six tournaments. He's been in the top ten, and um, that's some consistent golf right now. Another one uh, that has been really consistent in finishing in the top 10 as well in the past seven tournaments 
I'm going to have to go with uh, Will Zalatoris. Again, another fantastic uh, performance by him. Just fell a little short at the um, PGA, um, but he's playing really well. Love to see him do something. Uh, and then my final one would be Colin Morikawa. I've always been a fan of, of him since he won his first major. He has been a consistent ball striker um, in every tournament that he's played in. Uh, obviously, we have our ups and downs, but those are my top three. I think they're good ones. Yeah, you know, I, I can't argue with you about JT. I mean, you know, JT's playing well right now, uh, and he he's feeling it, you know, and uh, did not realize his stats were that good. So interesting thing you shared there. Yeah, hey, Colin, I like Colin. Would love to see Colin on this thing. I think another thing that's driving JT, though, is he wants another major. He's got two. But they're from the same tournament. It's the PGA Championship. I think he's hungry for another one. And he wants to get the, the Grand Slam, obviously. But, man, I, I would not be disappointed to see Colin win. I really wouldn't. I mean, great guy. Like you said, a consistent ball striker. Uh, not going to be one of my picks, though. My top three are going to be Scotty Scheffler, Roy McIlroy, and Cameron Smith. Why am I going with that? Okay, so Cameron Smith... He's just calm, cool, collective, just seems to be going with the flow. I just like where his game's at right now. Of course, he has the win at the Players' Championship. A little bit of, of confidence there going into a major, as obviously. Rory, coming off the RBC Canadian Open win, he's got something to prove right now. As you know, and we're going to talk about this here in just a minute, he's all up in arms about this live tour, right? And he is just really committed to representing the PGA Tour, and he's got a fire lit under his rear end right now, and he's going ready to go out there and prove something and win some golf tournaments, as he's already done. So really hard for me not to go a Rory right now for the U.S. Open. And, of course, Scotty Scheffler. The guy's won, what, five, five tournaments this year so far? Should have been six. He lost in that playoff to Zal Torres, Masters champion, Really, really, really hope that he gets another major victory. He's only got two more chances, this one in the British Open. So, would love to see it happen. So, that's my pick. Scotty, Rory, and then Cameron for the U.S. Open. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the Live Tour. Of course, as we mentioned earlier, a very, very controversial topic right now in the world of golf. And again, like we said earlier, we're not here to take sides on this thing, right? We're not going to say that we're for it, we're against it. We're going to talk about what we like about it and our opinions of what we've seen so far in this first tournament and also give another perspective as to why some people out there are not a fan of this. And ultimately, in the end, it's your decision whether or not you choose to watch this and whether or not you choose to support the Live Tour. I'll start out by saying... I think it is good for the game in terms of how much talk is around the game of golf right now. Golf is trending on social media really high right now, and it's because of this. So it is putting more eyeballs on the game of golf, and ultimately, as a PGA professional, that's what I want to see. I want to see the game grow, and Nick, I know you do too. It's our passion, right? It's our profession. So as far as the exposure that golf is getting, I think it's really good right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, exposure is always good, but it all depends on what kind of exposure it is. Uh, I feel like with the talk of the, this Live League, 
a lot of it's being um, negative because of where that money is coming from. Um, some of the things that the people over in Saudi Arabia are, um, you know, the funders of all this and what they have done um, to have a terrible name for themselves and what what they're doing. Right. And then, of course, that's what got Phil into some hot water. I mean, he, he had pretty much admitted that they're not so good people, but, you know, he was going to use it as leverage. Uh, not, a, not a wise comment there by, uh, by Phil, obviously. I know he regrets that, but... Um, yeah, I mean, that's, first of all, the, the LIV, they're backed by an investment arm. It's called LIV Golf Investments. And that's, of course, run by Greg Norman. He's their CEO right now. And the PIF, they're essentially the financial arm of the of the Saudi Arabia government, which has been accused of, of numerous human rights violations. And I think, again, that's where a lot of this controversy is coming from. So there's a theory out there that to to improve their reputation, especially to the Western world, Saudi Arabia has just heavily invested in various athletic organizations and events. Professional wrestling was one of them. They have a lot of professional wrestling events over there and, and paid a lot of money to have them there and put on some spectacular events when it comes to that. There's been other events that they have funded, such as motorsports, soccer, boxing, and tennis. And what a lot of people are saying is that the Saudi Arabia government is doing what they call sports washing. And basically what sports washing is, it's just used by state-run groups, and it's considered like a form of propaganda to distract the public from its abuses. And again, in this case, it's the numerous human rights violations that Saudi Arabia has been accused of. So that's where a lot of this heat's coming from because this government is backing this tour. It doesn't look good to the Western world, particularly the United States. Why is it called Live? Why do they call it Live Golf? So Live, L-I-V, is Roman numeral for 54. And 54 is the number of holes in each tournament. It's also the score a player shoots if they birdie every hole on a par 72 golf course. So I thought that was kind of creative in terms of how they come up with that. Some people are taking that a little step further and saying that since Greg Norman's involved, he always had some of the majors won uh, 54 holes in but just couldn't close it on, uh, on the last 18. And some people are saying that's a dig towards him. Don't think that's the case, but I thought that was kind of funny. Each tournament is going to be three rounds, 54-hole contest, 48 players, no cuts. And it's also going to be a shotgun start. So if you watch the event this past weekend, how you can watch it, you have to go to their YouTube channel. You can go to their website. I think it's livegolf.com or on their Facebook page. And I caught some of it this past weekend. And I really like the shotgun start format. I thought it was really cool that they all started at the same time. They finished at the same time. And they have a running leaderboard down the left side of the screen you kind of know how many holes they have to play i'll be honest i thought the format i thought the coverage was excellent i thought it really kept your attention the whole time you were watching it it looked very professional and you saw a lot of golf shots whereas on the pga tour you see their pre-shot routine you have a lot of commercials the, the golf shots are very limited that you're seeing as soon as the golf ball stop rolling or come to rest, they switch to another golf shot and another and another. So you really saw a lot of golf 
which I thought was really cool and um, different from what we've seen on the PGA Tour for sure. I mean, Nick, you you tell me. I mean, you didn't get a chance to watch the tournament very much this weekend. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, yes, we, we're dealing with some controversy, but yes, we are also dealing with the fact that it is creating some buzz and some news around the game of golf. What is your take on it? There is a lot to take from it. Um, some good, especially when it comes to the game of golf. Um, obviously, the bad is uh, standing out uh, a lot more, and rightfully so. Um, hopefully, with whatever happens in the future with this league, um, it's going to create change um, in the golf world when it comes to putting on a tournament, how to put on a tournament. Um, it was like you said, I didn't get a chance to watch any of it. You did. Some of that coverage kept your attention. It's kind of hard to do, uh, especially when it's not a major, um, when it comes to golf tournaments. Um, any way that we can make the sport more fun, whether it be something like the Live Golf um, in a better-backed league or something more like the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup, something that's going to be more team-oriented, something that's a little different than traditional golf. Uh, I think that's what golf needs to continue to grow and have generational golf continue. Yeah, great points. I mean, you talked about the team format. I really enjoy the team format. I, I, I love the Ryder Cup. I love President's Cup. So not only were you watching them from an individual standpoint, but you're also watching them compete as a team. So those guys are even more hungry to get out there and play well, not only for themselves, but for their teammates. So I like, I really like that aspect of it. Another thing I think that's controversial about this is the amount of money that's being thrown into this thing. I mean, and clearly this has come down to money. Yeah, with, with Mickelson, I mean, look, we've been hearing the stuff that he's been saying that these are not so great people, but he ends up going to the league anyways. Uh, I think it might be partly to do with where he's at with the PGA Tour. Could be. I mean, you never know. We, we don't know what's going on with these guys and, and what their motives are and why they're doing it. But let's talk about the money for a second. They have a total of $255 million that's going to be awarded in prize money across eight tournaments. As we saw, Charles Schwartz will award over $4 million in this event. So I've got a breakdown of the payouts for the tournament. First place won $4 million. Second place won $2.12 million. Third place won $1.5 Fourth place won right out a million. Fifth place won nine hundred seventy-five thousand. Last place is forty-eight, and that guy won a hundred and twenty thousand dollars. I think he was like twenty-something over in the tournament, and still brought home a hundred twenty thousand dollars. That's insanity. So each regular season event will have a twenty-five million dollar purse, twenty million of it going for individual prizes, and five million is going to go for the top three teams. So. Again, you could not be doing well on an individual standpoint and still come out really, really good from a team standpoint. The top three individuals after the seven regular season event among those who play a minimum of four events will also share an additional $30 million. It's $18 million, $8 million, and $4 million each. And then finally, another $50 million is going to be awarded at the Team Match Play Championship. So we have a ton of money on the line right now. It's 
craziness, more money than we have ever seen in the game of golf. Yeah, that's. I think that's where the biggest problem is at the moment. I mean, more money obviously is, to a certain degree, better. Um, it's definitely opening the eyes to not only uh, the players uh, in this situation, but hopefully everybody else in every organization like the PGA Tour and just offering, continuing to offer more for the player. We're getting ready to come up on the U.S. Open. So as a comparison here, so we talked about the winner gets $4 million, Last place is going to get 120000 The U.S. Open, the biggest purse of the four majors, awards $12.5 million in prize money, with the winner getting $2.25 million. So the winner of a Live Tour event is going to get almost double the amount of what a U.S. Open Tour winner is going to get. But it's, it's more than just about the prize money on the table right now. Let's talk about Dustin Johnson. Dustin was offered a $125 million contract just to state that he's committed to this league. And then, of course, we've heard the rumors that Tiger was offered almost a billion dollars to sign, which he, of course, did not. So Dustin Johnson at $125 million has made more by committing to this tour than Tiger did his entire career. I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, let that sink in. I mean, that's a lot. Just by making that one commitment to the tour, he's made more than Tiger ever did. Yeah, that's quite a bit of money. And again, kind of going back to that, it's pretty much been about the money. It's why a lot of people continue to have such a problem with it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, for some people, it's it's really hard not to turn that down. And again, we don't know what these people are thinking. Uh, we don't know what these players are thinking. We don't, we don't know what the goal is here. Obviously, a big reason for some of these guys going over to this league is because of the money. They can play half the tournaments and make more and be able to spend time with their family and do the things that they want to do outside of golf. And it also helps, again, grow the game, uh, do something a little different. And that's kind of what Mickelson was touching on in his interview when he did commit to this new tour. Yeah, and DJ said in his interview that he wants to play less golf. He's not interested in playing more events. And he has a life that he wants to start enjoying as well. So it made sense for him to come join the tour because he's making more money than he could possibly ever dream of, of making on the PGA Tour, playing less events, more time with family, more time to do other things and live his life. So that's certainly a huge drawing point to, to some of these big-name guys, whether it's DeChambeau, whether it's Dustin, whether it's Phil, whether it's... Patrick Reed. Yeah, Patrick Reed now. So, you know, from their standpoint, yeah, I mean, why not? It seems like a no-brainer. Again, it all just comes back to the money, and that's what everybody that has an issue with this including myself. I mean, I'll be honest with you, and you as well. We both have some issues with how this is being funded, who it's being funded by. Is it genuine? Is it just a cover-up? Is it sports washing? We don't know, but we certainly know that it does look that way to a certain degree, which makes this controversial. So, you know, again, Nick and I are here to talk about this because we want to 
number one, educate you about what is this league about, which we've done. We've told you what's the format, what's the payouts, some of the players involved, how exciting the coverage was, how different and unique the league is, the excitement that it's bringing to the game of golf. But we've also explained to you about how it's being funded, where the money's coming from, who are the backers, the people who are backing it. That's where this whole league has become really touchy. The PGA is out there banning players right now or suspending players who are participating in this league, and some people are making the argument of that's not right on their part, that some of the players who are are participating in the Live League are saying, hey, look, you know, I'm a free agent, or I'm sorry, I'm an independent contractor, and this is how I make my living. How can you tell me where I can and cannot play? I can go play Canadian Tour, Asian Tour. I can play the European Tour. But now I can't go play this tour because you feel somewhat threatened by it. And that's their argument to, to that. But ultimately, I think it's up to you to go out there and research it on your own. You do the research. You see what we've put in front of you today. But go out there and research it and figure out, okay, how comfortable or uncomfortable are you with this tour? And do you want to support it? Do you want to watch it? And that's kind of where we're coming from. What What are your thoughts on that, Nick? Um, my thoughts, in a, I guess, with, with thoughts can come opinions as well. So, uh, with with my thoughts and opinions on it, like I touched on earlier, setting the the where the money is aside because that that is where this negativity is coming from. Obviously, we don't we don't want that. Um, that's one last thing we want is to have something of that magnitude attached to golf, which is uh, justifiable. But like I said, the way that they're doing golf in this league uh, is different. I would love, love to see more tournament-style stuff like this. Something that makes golf fun and interesting to watch. Ultimately, that's our goal in the game of golf but we have to be careful we don't want to sacrifice our core values and our personal integrity i agree with you 100 percent. i mean that's that's a great point i mean ultimately that's what this game was founded upon right it's uh, our core values this gentleman's game built upon those core values having that mutual respect for one another having that personal integrity that's what golf is all about and i think again that's where we got to be careful not to infringe upon that. That's what the game is built on, like we've been saying. So, again, ultimately, it's it's up to you to go out there, check out the Live Tour, decide for yourself, do you want to watch this, do you want to support this, or do you want to just completely forget about it now like it doesn't exist because it does make you uncomfortable with how it's being funded or who it's being funded by or the amount of money that's involved, whatever your opinion is, whatever makes you uncomfortable with this, that's what you got to sit down and evaluate for yourself. We just wanted to come on here, talk about it, because it is a hot topic in the game of golf right now. It is creating that buzz around the game, whether it's good, whether it's bad, we'll find out. Hopefully, fingers crossed, a lot of prayers said that it is a good thing for this game and that we'll see a lot of positive changes come not only to the entire game, but like Nick mentioned earlier, the PGA Tour, because maybe the PGA Tour 
can start being more creative and, and, and taking on some, some new ways to entertain their fans. Congratulations, you have completed yet another episode of the Go Forth and Golf podcast. Thank you so very much from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to push that play button, to listen to Nick and I have a discussion. Hopefully you guys enjoy the topics that we talked about in this episode. And if you want to share your opinions with us, please feel free to reach out to us on social media. It's going to be sgoforth underscore PGA on Instagram. It's Go Forth Golf Instruction on Facebook, and it's Go Forth Golf on Twitter. Would love to hear from you, and also would love to hear from you from the standpoint of topics that you want us to talk about on the podcast, tips that you want to hear from me, or maybe even possible interviews that you'd like to hear from someone in the industry. Whatever that may be, would love to hear your feedback and just love to interact with you. On the next episode, I will have a couple of tips that will help you with your golf game. So make sure you tune in for that. Again, if you follow on social media, you can kind of get a preview about what's going to come down the pipeline on that episode. And just as a reminder, the episodes always drop the first and the third Wednesday of every month. So you will see the next episode dropping on Wednesday, July the 6th. It is hard to believe we are into July. And I think I said that a couple months ago. It was hard to believe we're in that particular month. But man, oh man, is time flying by, as you probably already know. You blink and it goes away. Next thing you know, I'll be saying Merry Christmas to you and thinking, where in the world did 2022 go? So that being said, get out there and take advantage of every moment you can. Enjoy life. Enjoy the game of golf. And as always, I hope this episode will help you do that. As always, I just ask you, please share the podcast on social media. Tag me in it. I would really appreciate it. Anybody I see that tags me on social media advertising the podcast, I will put you in a drawing for a free dozen tailor-made golf balls, courtesy of TaylorMade. So thank you so much for their help on the podcast. And if you feel like I deserve it, go out there and give me a positive review on whatever platform you're on. On the Apple platform, if you can give me a five-star rating, if you feel like I deserve it, I would really, really appreciate it. It just helps bump me up those Apple rankings. And leaving a positive review is always tremendously, tremendously appreciated. So thank you so much. Until the next episode, keep hitting those drives long and straight. Keep hitting those greens in regulation. Drain more putts and get out there and have a wonderful time. Don't forget to do something nice for somebody today because it's going to make you feel absolutely wonderful when you put somebody else before yourself. And remember, together, let's go forth to a better golf game. You've been listening to the Go Forth and Golf Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to receive alerts on new episodes. For more information, please follow us on social media at Go Forth Golf Instruction or visit our website at GoForthGolfInstruction.com. Remember, together, let's go forth to a better golf game.